I'm really glad to be here. Really excited. I don't know why. Sometimes I just get something stirring in me. It's like, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to share God's precious word with his kids. A couple things I want to start with before we get to the lesson. Just a couple things. We're going to get right into it within just a minute or two. But this morning, when I was in prayer, um, I, I, I typically just go before God and say, God, what do you want to show me for your, for your people? What do you want to show me? And today, he did something he doesn't, I haven't had happen that often, and that is that he just started speaking. And this is what he said. So before I even read it, I just want to pray, Father God, I thank you that you have prepared hearts to receive what you have for them tonight. And even before I give this word that you gave me to share, I thank you, Father, that distractions are completely erased, that our hearts are, are fertile soil, ready to receive, and that your good news isn't seen as too good to be true, but it, has, it is received as absolute truth from our loving Father. Thank you, Father, for what you have planned tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, tell my children that I love them, and in them I'm greatly pleased. Like a father, proud of his newborn son, I'm proud of you. See, didn't I say when you seek me, you'll find me? Keep seeking. I will continue to make myself known to you in greater and greater ways. And I was just listening some more. And then he said, I'm not angry with you. And no, I will never withhold my love from you. And then he repeated, I love you and I'm greatly pleased. Let me share that one more time because I think some of you really need to get that in your heart. He's talking about his love for us and that there's no such thing as anger from our Abba Father because he loves us so much. This is what he said. Tell my children that I love them and in them I'm greatly pleased. Oh, I love it when I hear him say that. Like a father, proud of his newborn son, I'm proud of you. See, didn't I say when you seek me, you'll find me? Keep seeking. I will continue to make myself known to you in greater and greater ways. I'm not angry with you. And no, I will never withhold my love from you. I love you and I'm greatly pleased. Do you receive that? Amen. Amen. If anybody is here in pain tonight... I want to pray before we even get started. I don't want anything distracting us from receiving. I've been in the position of being in pain and not being able to focus on anything but breathing and getting through the next minute. So if there's anybody here that's in pain, it doesn't have to be that extreme, but if there's anybody that's here in pain, we want to pray for you. Stand up, please. We're going to come and pray. We've got ministry team members that are going to come and pray. And we're going to speak to the pain. We're going to speak to the mountain. Now, it looks like there's more of you than there are of us. So we're just going to take a minute. If we're not there right now, we will come. So, Father, right now, we speak against pain. We command it to leave in the name of Jesus. In your word, Jesus, you said to speak to the mountain. So that's what we're doing right now. We're speaking to the mountain of pain. And, Father, I pray right now for a refreshing to flow through bodies, to flow through limbs, to flow through whatever is causing the pain, for wherever the pain is, 
And I pray, Father, for a refreshing to just flow through these people and the pain is washed out. Just like taking a shower, just like taking a shower and the pain is washed away. I speak right now over the spirit of pain. Sometimes there's a, a physical cause for pain. Sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's just purely demonic. So I speak against that right now. I have authority as a believer. We have authority as believers. And we speak against any spirit of pain and we command it to leave. Now it has to flee because we're submitted to God. And when we resist the enemy, he has to flee. So whichever the case is, that pain has to be gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Ministry team, just find somebody else. We speak against the spirit of pain. We speak against physical causes of pain and we say go in jesus name we say be removed in the name of jesus thank you father god that that pain level is being reduced 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 until it is gone in jesus name thank you father that no distraction will keep your people from receiving what you have for them tonight in jesus name amen amen has anybody seen or experienced any reduction in pain already is there anybody that we have that has felt something leave them okay there's one cheryl yay 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 glory to god glory to god glory to god that pain i i'm speaking believing that pain is going to reduce 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 so as that's happening through the night interrupt tell us that because that's going to build all of our faith to to receive even more okay i have some more words of knowledge but i'm going to save those until later so we're going to go ahead right now and start with a with the the session which we're on right now which is session eight lesson eight in our bible study and it's about the soul can i hear a little ringing in here is there anything on there that you're seeing sound wise that's a problem or is it just me? I just know that he's, he's been doing a really good job getting our videos all recorded, and he doesn't want any ringing on them. So he'll do his thing while I tell you a little bit about this, um, where we're at in the Bible study. Okay, I'm just going to talk a little bit about this, okay? You don't even have to record this part. Um, our Bible study is divided into three big parts. The first big part is about God's will for us, about God's part, his completed work of the cross, that he paid the price once and for all for our healing. That's good news. It's a done deal. It's a finished work. That's the first part of this Bible study. And then the middle section is about our part in receiving because God did his part. So we look at what our part is. And that's where we're at right now. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a sec when I kind of give you a preface of, of the soul. The third part in this is the fact that sickness doesn't come from God, it comes from the enemy. The enemy is the one that came to steal, kill, and destroy. God came to give us abundance of life. So the third part of this study is our authority as believers over evil. Jesus has already conquered evil. He's already disarmed the enemy, defeated him. Picture that. No arms, no feet. Disarmed, defeated. No harm to us. So we can speak like we just did over the spirit of pain. We can exercise our authority as believers. So a big part of this is also 
our authority as believers. But right now we're right in the middle, lesson eight, checking your soul. If you don't have one of these, you might want to get one um, so you can follow along. Um, Especially this lesson, we're really going to go pretty much right by the book and there's a lot of practical pieces in here. If you don't have it, you're going to want paper to write on. So make sure that you have something to write down, practical steps you can take when you go home to help in the area of prospering your soul because it's a big deal in the area of receiving healing. Kim? Yeah. Yeah, you can use a credit card. There's a um, square, one of those iPhone, iPhone square things that Kent has. So, yeah, you can. Um, the soul. We just finished a series of teaching on relationship with God. We finished a, a series of teaching on the importance of knowing, knowing God. Because you can't trust someone you don't know. It's important that you have a really intimate relationship, just like I have with my husband. Because I know Kent so well, I can trust him. I can talk to him. I know that he hears me. I hear his voice. Relationship is very important. But this next piece, the soul, is again a piece, I believe, that has inhibited many people from receiving what God has for them. Sickness in the soul, wounds in the soul, in the areas of your mind or your will or your emotions or your understanding or your intellect. Those are all areas of the soul. When there's woundedness in that area of your life, it can prevent healing in your physical being. So we're going to, this is a two-part. It's only one part in the book. There's another addendum that I'll have for you next week. The first part is about keeping your soul healthy. Like when you're, you know, especially in January on the news, you hear all this stuff about keeping healthy, exercising and healthy food, healthy diet, all that. So part of, of being whole and part of being healthy is keeping yourself healthy. And that's what we're going to talk about today, keeping your soul healthy. But if there is sickness in your soul, if there is woundedness in your soul, we want to get it healed. So next week... We're going to switch focuses and talk about being healed if there is woundedness in your soul. Let me just give you some examples. Um, rejection, disappointment, um, abuse, neglect, maybe from when you were a child, maybe in your marriage, um, uh, a trauma where there's been a, a, a traumatic event in your life that has just broken your heart. Maybe somebody that you care deeply about, you know, died before their, their, life, should, before their life should have ended. Um, uh, depression, anxiety, fear, those kinds of things are all soul issues. We're going to be talking a lot more about that in the next week or two. And Abandonment, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so let's look at the lesson purpose together. In this lesson, we look to God's word to begin to see his direction for us in the area of godly living or his boundaries for blessings. As we align ourselves with God's will, we open the door wide for God's healing to be manifested within our bodies. The purpose of this lesson is to take an inward look at our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and to discuss how to live as an overcomer in this area of our lives. 
So we're going to look at how to be in the will of God in the area of our soul. First big idea, foundation one. We want to talk about what this thing called a soul is. We're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. We are a spirit. When we received Jesus as our Savior, our spirit was absolutely perfected. We were made righteous. We're going to talk a lot more about that in the next few weeks. There's no way ever that that will change. Once you've received Jesus as your Lord, you are in a position of righteousness forever. We have a soul. Our soul, like I already mentioned, is our mind, our thinking, our will, our choices, our emotions, our intellect, our understanding. The word heart in the Bible is often used to express issues of the soul or things to do with the soul. And then we have a physical body. I would like to look right now at a foundational scripture, and it's written in the Bible study, so I'm not even going to open my Bible right now, and it's also on the screen. This is Third John, the third um, epistle of John, verse 2. And it says, starts with my, one of my favorite words that God uses for us. He says, Beloved, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Mm. He, he uses that term of endearment, first of all. And he says, you're my beloved. He said that at the beginning. He said, I love you and I'm so well pleased. We are his beloved. And it's his desire for us to be in health and to prosper. And then there's a comma. And it says, even as or just as your soul prospers. The, the prospering of our health and prospering in all areas of our life is dependent upon our soul prospering. It's in proportion to the prospering of our soul. That's what that comma is. God says, beloved, I wish that you would prosper and be in health. And that is in proportion to the prospering of your soul. So as our soul prospers... Our body <clears throat> and every area of our life has the potential for wholeness and for prospering. The next couple of slides we're going to look at. Can't we go ahead or Tom? And then um, go to the next. You have to do another click. And I think one more. It's going to put words in there. Okay. Um, think of, like I already said, we're a three-part being. Body, soul, and spirit. Think of this this balance scale and our soul gets the swing vote our spirit is already perfected and in the spiritual realm we have the fullness of life that Jesus came to provide for us the completed work is potentially ours in the spiritual realm it's completed it's done we are right we are righteous we are whole all of the promises in God's word are ours in the spiritual realm. But in our body, we might not look like that. In our body, there may be issues, pain. We just saw many people right now that have pain in their bodies. 
There may be illnesses. There may be other issues. It might not be to do with your body. It might have to do with relationships where there's issues in your life. It might have to do with finances. It might have to do with um, your children that you love so much. There might be hurts, some kind of things going on in your life. Your soul has the potential to either side with your body or side with your spirit. If your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your understanding are agreeing with what's going on in the natural in your body, if you're talking about the problem, if you're worrying about the problem, if you're magnifying the problem, we've talked a lot about our words, if you're, you're, the choices that you make are completely in agreement with the problem, then the body gets the swing vote, the swing vote. And that is very likely the result that you will see. Go to the next slide because that's bad news. <laughs> Let's look at the good news. Go ahead and click it a couple more times. But the opposite's also true. Your soul has the swing vote. Oh, Elise is shaking her head. She says, oh yeah, this is good. If your soul, your words, your thinking, your emotions, your choices are in agreement with your hope, the spirit in you that is united with the Holy Spirit of God, if you are in agreement with your, with your spirit, then guess what has a swing vote? The soul and the spirit are in agreement, and that is the result that you see. But the soul is a big deal. Whether the mind, the will, and the emotions are in agreement with God or whether they're in agreement with the issue, which is of the enemy, because that's who the enemy is. That's what he came to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. So are you in agreement with God or, or the enemy, basically, is the bottom line. So what we're going to do is we're going to take each of those main parts of the soul, the mind, and then the will, and then the emotions, and we're going to look at how to be healthy in that area. And then we're going to look at practical ways to do that. First, we're going to look at what the Bible says, and then we're going to look at practical ways to be healthy in each of those areas of your soul. This is kind of like a uh, healthy living class, <laughs> except it's for your soul. Okay, foundation two, prospering in our mind. Our mind is a battlefield. You've heard that before. Joyce Myers has a book called Your Mind. My mind is a battlefield. All kinds of thoughts bombard our mind constantly. But God teaches us that we can guard our thoughts and think good thoughts instead of worried or anxious thoughts. So how do we take control of our thought life? So let's look at a couple scriptures. The first one is not listed in your Bible study, so you might want to add it. This is Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Okay, I'm going to break this down just a little bit. At the beginning of this um, chapter, of this book, of the Bible, it says to present 
yourself, your body, as a living sacrifice. That word body includes every area, including your soul. God says present your body and your mind, your will, your emotions as a, as a sacrifice to God. Present yourself. That's your, that's your worship. When it says reasonable service, when you look in the Amplified, it says that's your worship is presenting yourself to God and giving yourself to him and surrendering to him. And then he tells us how to do that. He says, don't be pressed into the mold of the world. That's the default, is to do what the world does, to follow their lead. When you get the report, it's to, you know what it is. You know, it's to go to doctor after doctor and do the research and the research and to talk and talk and talk and worry and worry and worry and have the fear and have the whatever that goes with it. That's being conformed to the world. But God says, oh, no, I have a better way. And he says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transformed is to be made new. The best word that we can use in our English language is metamorphosis. When you see a caterpillar or a tadpole and go through metamorphosis, they don't come out looking like a caterpillar or a tadpole. They are completely new. They're transformed. They're made new. Another good word is renovated. Totally. You know, old house, new house. If you watch those shows on TV. Completely renovated. Completely metamorphosized. Completely made new. And the way that happens is through the renewing of our mind. So we're talking about our soul. Our mind and our will and our emotions. So God says, renew your mind. We renew our mind through the word of God instead of the words of man. We renew our mind as we focus on God's word. And then this is the, this is the, the end result that, there's another comma, that as you renew your mind, something's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. You may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're going to prove his word as your mind is renewed. As your mind is renewed and you follow suit, in other words, you do what your mind is renewed to do in action, as you start living this new life with a renewed mind, you prove the perfect will of God. In my case, as I, I was diagnosed with cancer and I started renewing my mind, my friend started sharing truths about healing. I started taking in those truths. I'd never heard that good news before. I started reading God's word and meditating on it and speaking it out loud. And as I was doing that, my mind was being renewed. Long story short, six months later, I was healed. I proved the perfect will of God as my mind was renewed through his word. It wasn't through me. It was through his word changing me from that one form into a new one, being transformed. Amen. Okay, let's look at another scripture that's not listed. This is 1 Peter 5, chapter, or verse 7. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified. I love this. Remember, we're talking about our mind now. God gives us a direction here. He says, casting the whole of your care... All your worries, 
I'm sorry. I just got contacts and I told Ken I may have a hard time reading this. I may have to read from up there. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. I love this translation of the scripture. Cast your cares on God because he wants you to. He says, cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your cares once and for all on him. And he will take care of you. Now in this scripture, I would like you to write down and maybe take some time this week to read verses 6 through verse 9. Same chapter. I'm just going to paraphrase it a little bit. Verse 6 says something like this. It says, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. To be humble means to be surrendered. When I was diagnosed with cancer, I, before I came to have my mind renewed, I was in control, or I tried to be, but I couldn't. I mean, I had no control over that. Doctors gave me absolutely no hope. It was stage four incurable. But before that, I really tried to be in control over my life. But God says, no, that's not my best. Humble yourself. Surrender. And then it even says, under <laughs> the mighty hand of God. Submit to him. And he's mighty. And his hand is not too small that it can't save. It's not too small that it can't heal. It's mighty. Surrender. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's the first step. And then it says to cast your cares on him. But then the next verse talks about the enemy. It says, be well balanced or be sober. And that actually means sober of mind. We're talking about the mind. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Doesn't say who he will devour. It says who he may. That means he may not as well. <laughs> In my case... He's not going to, in Jesus' name, in your case either. But God says to be sober of mind, to be vigilant. And then there's one more verse, and it says resist him. Steadfast in faith. I prayed that today. I said, we have authority to resist the enemy, to submit to God and to resist the enemy, and he has to flee. I, I don't want to glorify the enemy. But God put that verse in there. I didn't. God put that verse in there. He said, humble yourself. He said, give me your cares. He said, because that enemy's there, guys. But you don't need to worry. Because when you submit to me, when you cast your cares on me and let me take care of you, when you, when you resist the enemy and stay standing stand continue to stand that enemy has to flee so your mind when those worried thoughts come and they they may when those anxious thoughts come or they may be even not even your mind you may feel them in your body i've felt them in my body the anxiety the the worry i literally it makes you can make you nauseous it can make you so you know you have no appetite it can make you so that your your um you know, you, you just don't have energy. It can do all sorts of things physically to you as well. 
So when you're sensing any of those, cast your care. Cast your care in humility, in childlikeness. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you. Turn with me to Philippians 4, please. Philippians 4. We're talking about having a healthy mind so that our body can prosper because as our soul prospers, so does our body. So does, so does every area of our life. And we're going to start with verse 6. Once again, God says the same thing. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. Would God tell us not to worry if we couldn't not worry? I think I said that weird. But you know what I mean. Would he say that if it wasn't possible? No. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Okay, that's great news. God says, if you have cares to pray and to thank him, and his peace will guard your mind. But there's another step. Verse 8. You need to fill your mind with something else. As you've casted your cares on God, as those worried thoughts have, um, you've, you've prayed, you've given them to God, and you've thanked him for the answer. And the peace is guarding your heart, but you still need to fill your mind with something else. Joyce Meyer, I know, in one of the teachings I heard her teach years ago, it really stuck with me. She said that when she first started to do this, she would take those thoughts captive, she would cast her cares on God, and she would be okay for a minute, and then those darn worries would come right back in. And it took her a while to realize that she had to fill her mind with something else in order for that empty mind not to just sit there and be ready to take in more worries. And this is what we are to fill our mind with. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are notable, are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. This is some great, great things there to fill our minds with. The first thing he says is whatever's true. This is true. This is the best thing you can fill your mind with. Whatever is a good report, see yourself whole. See yourself strong. See yourself well. Whatever it is that is the problem, see yourself without the problem. Whatever's praiseworthy. We've talked before about acknowledging what the great things that God's already done. Acknowledging him, praising him for what he's already done in the process of, of where you're at. Or somebody else's testimony. Or accounts from the Bible, what he's already done. Fill your mind with good. Meditate on those things. Meditate means to really take time to delve into that. Speak it out loud. Look at what God did. I've had some things before me this summer that I'm meditating on. I'm meditating on, on what the dream that God has put in my heart. That is the starting place for God to make it happen. On the way over here, I've been doing it on my own a lot. On the way over here, I was doing it with Kent. 
I was meditating on this dream that God's put in my heart. Because it's not just my dream. He's, he's in for the ride. <laughs> so, it, you know, I want him to be in agreement with me. So see that and meditate on it. Speak it out loud. Speak it out loud every day, multiple times a day if you need to. Speak it out loud. Okay, would you go to 2 Corinthians 10, please? 2 Corinthians 10. This is the last scripture about the mind. And then we're going to talk about some practical ways to prosper in our mind. So we've talked a little bit about renewing our mind. We've talked a little bit about um, casting our cares upon God. We've talked a little bit about how to fill our mind with good things. There's one more scripture that is very powerful. This is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Before I go on, I want to, I want to just stop at that verse. So we aren't fighting against flesh and blood. You're not even fighting against whatever that physical problem is. You're fighting. The fight is the, the, what is the uh, uh, origin of that, which is the enemy. You're not fighting a physical battle. You're fighting a spiritual battle. But this is the good news. You are mighty before God. You're mighty. The weapons of our warfare are mighty for the overflow and the destruction of strongholds. Strongholds are places where the enemy has gotten in there with sickness, with whatever it is that you're dealing with. But God says that his weapons are mighty to break those strongholds. Today, as we talk about the soul, that's what we're talking about. Breaking off strongholds. Next week, we're really going there. Next week, they're off. You come with them next week, you're leaving without them. Actually, let's say that today. I may have come in with strongholds. Say it. But I'm walking out without them. Today. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're not waiting till next week. We're getting rid of them today. Okay. So let's look at what it says in the next verse. It says, Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. Better finish this and then I'll go back. And we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Okay, so this says, first of all, that we refute. We refute. The word refute means to overthrow by evidence or proof. It says in here, first of all, that we refute all these reasonings. Now, how many of you have gone through a process of reasoning things out on your own? Yep, we've all done it. You have a problem, you try to reason it out. You say, well, let me think. Could I do this, 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 or this? Or maybe the problem's this. Or maybe I did this. Or maybe you did that. Or maybe this happened when I was a baby. Or this happened when I was two. You know, we reason things out. But God says that's not the way. He says, refute those things. Prove them wrong by evidence. And where's the evidence? His word. His truth. When you refute something... You overthrow it by evidence or proof that is true. 
Let me say that again. When you refute something, you overthrow it by evidence or proof that is true. So you're refuting those reasonings and those things. Now, it might be a doctor's report that's a fact, but it isn't in alignment with the truth. Truth supersedes fact. We refute things as we take those thoughts captive. That's what this says near the end. It says we refute those things that, have set, that are set up against the truth and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So we take those thoughts captive. We lock it up and throw away the key. This week, many of you know I retired from school. Praise God. Amen. But this week, everybody else is going back, and I'm not. And one of the things I am thrilled to be in this, this phase of my life, but one of the things that the enemies try to do is to put some sort of um, not... Well, I guess he's trying, and he's not winning, trying to put depression or regret or a feeling of not being needed. But this is what God does, because this is what I'm doing. Yeah, you do. So, yeah, so do God's people. But this is what God's doing. He's showing me, and I'm doing it, to take those stupid thoughts captive and to replace them with truth. And this is what God's truth is. I wish I would have brought my journal, because he's been talking to me like crazy over the last few weeks. But he's been telling me over and over and over that this is a season of joy. That this is a season of joy. And when those little nudges come, you know, those little nudges that say, oh, you know, they used to need me at school and they're not even calling to ask for help. (laughs) But as those little thoughts come, I take them captive and I say, oh, God, this is a season of joy. This is a season of joy. I'm not about to let the oppression of the enemy, I'm not about to let depression or anything else, any little whatever, come and sit on my shoulder. Oh, no. Oh, no. And what I do is I don't allow those thoughts in. They try, but I say, no. Mm -mm." And instead I say, joy. God, you gave me joy. And joy is equal to strength. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He gave me joy, but joy is in conjunction with his strength. That's good news. Okay, so take those thoughts captive. Now, practical ways to prosper in your mind, everyday life, everyday um, moment to moment of your life. Number, it's, they're numbered on your, in your book, so I'm going to use those numbers. Number five, when worries or negative thoughts attack you, speak God's word Instead of worries or thoughts. When those worries come, like I've been doing, when that little nudge has been coming, I think, oh no, God said, you have the joy of the Lord, Cindy. Number six, guard who you talk to and what you say. Guard who you talk to and what you say. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't talk because you may very well need to talk to somebody. But talk to somebody who agrees with you that God's way is the end result, that you have the end of the story, that this is truth, and that whatever that thing is has to leave. 
You may need to talk, and please do. I've made the mistake in the past of not talking to people because I didn't want to talk about it, whatever the problem was. And what happened was the fear got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and I needed to talk to somebody. And I needed to have somebody shake me up a little bit and say, uh, Cindy, <laughs> that's not what you do. This is what you do. Praise God in the midst of the battle. Whatever the situation is, you might need somebody. So guard the who it is that you talk to and what it is that you say. And I have a question. Are you magnifying the problem or God's promise? Last week I mentioned something called a negativity fast. If you are magnifying the problem, if you're talking about the problem all the time, I pray right now that that's revealed to you. And that as you say the problem, as you speak the problem, God will quicken you and help you realize that you're magnifying the problem. Because whatever you magnify will take on life of its own. If you magnify the problem and talk about it all the time, that problem's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's going to be a giant that you can't see anyway. It, it'll be totally insurmountable. But if you magnify the promises, if you magnify God, then that problem goes smaller, 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 and you say, oh, God is bigger. Nothing's impossible with my God. My God is mighty. My God is powerful. One little movement of his baby finger could deal with that problem, will deal with that problem. So are you magnifying God or are you magnifying the problem? And I believe right now, because I ask God, I believe that he will give you a little nudge if you are speaking the problem. Sometimes we do it without noticing it. And if you are doing it without noticing it, I believe he's going to give you a little nudge. And go on that negativity fast. Just say, mm, not going to say one negative thing about this problem. Maybe try a three-day fast. Start, start with something doable. See how you do for three days. As you do, you'll see that as you magnify God, something happens. God's word is powerful. It's alive. After three days, you're probably going to make it a whole lot longer. But start with three days. Next practical way to prosper in your mind. Guard what you take into your mind. <laughs> Guard what you feed on. Some of the things I wrote down here. People's opinions. Internet research. Reading books about the disease that you're battling. Guard yourself. Be careful. Be careful. I have a book at home that was given to me. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. I'm not going to tell you the title. But it's, it's um, something that I wanted to read. In fact, it, it, on the back cover, it talks about this kind of stuff. It talks about the soul. It talks about woundedness in the heart and soul and how it can get in the way of healing. So I thought, I need to read this book until I started reading it. <laughs> and when I started reading it, at first, the immediate thing was my, my um, Holy Spirit in me said, don't read it. But sometimes I question that. And I said, God, I, I think I'm supposed to read it. You know, I, the back of it sounded really good. And I think I need this. So I tried. I read another chapter or two. And yesterday I closed the book, put it on my bookshelf, and I said, I'm not reading it. Guard what you put in your mind. If the Holy Spirit, you might not even know why. 
You might not even know why you're getting uh, 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 unction. Let me describe what it feels like to me. When I read something that isn't healthy for me, I start feeling um, um, not good. I start feeling maybe depressed. I start feeling maybe a little nauseous. I start feeling fear, depending on what it is. Have you ever had that happen to you? If it's like when I was fighting cancer, when I went to the Internet one time, to re- one time is the only time I did it, I learned my lesson, to read about the disease, it wasn't just a little bit of fear. It was gut-wrenching, consuming, knock-me-on-the-floor fear. Right? You've been there? Some of you have been there? Don't do it. Don't buy the lie of the world that says that's what you're supposed to do. Don't buy it. It's harmful. If it makes you feel like that, it isn't good. God is good. The devil's bad. If it's bad, it's the devil. Don't do it. The book that I had didn't have any connotation that I thought it would be not good for me, but it wasn't. And I don't know why, but I put it away. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Be careful what you feed yourself. Be careful what you watch on TV. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you, who you talk to. The opinions of people. That's a hard one because it's sometimes hard to make people shut up. You got to do the la, 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 la. Let it go in one ear, not the other. Take them captive. Take those thoughts captive. Everybody wants to give you every opinion under the world when you're fighting something. But don't be afraid of speaking up for yourself. It's your life, guys. If people are going on and on and on it, and you know that you shouldn't be taking that in, respectfully stop them and say, you know what? I have a plan I'm following. God's taking really good care of me. And I don't want to hear what you're saying because it's confusing me. Or whatever you say. Say it in a respectful way, but basically tell them you don't want to hear it. God will direct you who to listen to. He will. If there are people that are giving you good advice, good wisdom, you won't have that yucky feeling. You'll have a, a, a you know, it'll be good because that's how God works. But if you're feeling something that is not good, don't take it in. Guard yourself. Guard what you're taking into your mind. That's a big deal. That one point in itself is a big deal. The next point your first and most important resource is the Bible. There's a lot of great books out there, a lot of great books by good teachers, but the number one resource should be the Bible. And number, the last one, number nine, be under consistent teaching of the word and resist confusion. I'll, I'll say that again and again. If you're hearing one thing here, and you're hearing something completely different where you worship. It's confusing. It's hard to believe and receive when you're hearing conflicting doctrine. Doctrine is teaching. The doctrine that we use here is completely here. This is a doctrine we use. It's not doctrine of man. It's doctrine of the Bible. If it's... if. I'm just going to point blank. When I was 
um, fighting cancer, my church did not teach that it was God's, that it was always God's to will, will to heal. They taught that God can heal, but it might not always be his will to heal. He can, but he might not always. It was his choice. It was his sovereign will. Something like that. I don't know. And the other thing in my church, I never once, never once saw anybody healed. If I would have been there, actually I was for a while, and here, it was confusing. This is what God did for me. I had a big guilt thing about the church that I was brought up in, that that was where I needed to be. I'd been told my whole life that basically that was the only place to be, to go to heaven. I mean, it was, it was wrong. But that's what I had been told. And there was a guilt thing about if you didn't go there, you were, you were sinning. And I didn't want to sin. <laughs> so I went to that church on Saturday. And then I would come to Life Christian Church on Sunday. And then I would go to that church on Saturday. And then I would go to Life Christian Church on Sunday. God released me from that guilt thing. It was condemnation. Guess where condemnation comes from? The enemy. That's not of God. He released me from that, and I had no guilt whatsoever about being in a place that taught the truth and where I was given life, where I was fed. It was, I'm, I'm sitting here going, because it was like, that's what I felt like. Like I, I could just breathe. And it was, it was God that I was breathing. You know, it was life and how to live life to the fullest the way that Jesus came to give us. So the importance of consistent teaching is a big deal. Okay, foundation three, prospering in our will. That's kind of a little summary of prospering in your mind. Now we're going to talk about prospering in your will. God has given us a free will, right? It's our choice to be a doer of God's word. We're going to read a little bit about choices now. We're going to go a whole lot more into this when we talk about godly living over the next few weeks. But would you turn with me right now to Deuteronomy chapter 30? Choices. We, part of our soul, is our free will. Our ability to make choices. And Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. That means full lifespan, guys. That's what that means. He is your full lifespan that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. That, that summarize, let me summarize it. You have the blessings of Abraham. That's for you. That's for me. The fullness, the abundance of every spiritual blessing, including a full lifespan. But God says there is before you. You know, he's given us free will. There are blessings and curses. There is life and death. He says, choose life, choose blessings. 
I'm going to say something now that just because I feel like I, I need to. I believe that one of the reasons people don't live their full lifespan, one of the reasons people die young is because they don't choose life. It's because they, they choose death. And to tell you the truth, there's nothing wrong with that because they're in heaven if they're saved. But God doesn't get all the glory. They're in heaven. They're fine. But their family, their loved ones might be hurting. And God's not glorified. But I'm going to give a specific example, and that's my father-in-law. I never give any other example except my father-in-law. But Ken's dad passed away about three years ago. And he was diagnosed with cancer in um, May, and he died in September. He chose to die. That's what he chose. After he died, there was a word of, of a word that came to Kent through somebody who, who's prophetic and really hears from God. And she said, Kent, God honored your father's free will. He didn't honor your prayer. He honored your dad's free will. My father-in-law chose to die, but this is the good news, and I always have to tell the good news when I tell that story. He died. He never was once in the hospital. He was never in any pain. None. Never took pain medicine. When he was on hospice the last week of his life, the nurses came to do whatever they do, and they said, well, where's his pain medicine? And my mother-in-law said, he doesn't have any. He's not in any pain. He was in no pain. He never was in the hospital. And the way that he died was his, his body just very gradually slopped. <laughs> he slept. He slept more and 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 then he died. No pain. So he chose though. The point I'm making is that's what he chose. God says choose life. I chose life. I was given the same choice as my father-in-law. I chose life. I chose blessings. And God has been glorified. And not only has he been glorified through me, he's been glorified through the ripple effect. Through all those other people who have heard about God because I chose life. Amen. Amen. And he's been glorified. And their lives have been enriched and saved and set free and fuller than they've ever known before. So choose life. That's my, that's my opinion. That's God's too. Would you please turn to James chapter 1? We're talking about our choices. Verse 21 and 22. So get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness in a humble gentle modest spirit receive and welcome the word which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls i'm going to go on to the next verse in just a second but i got to stop here this is so good god says to lay aside stuff now this is our choice we have free will god says to lay aside junk and to receive with meekness i'm reading out of two translations now I'm going back and forth because I have two of them in my Bible. The word meekness means to be teachable. 
He says to be teachable and to allow the engrafted word to implant itself in you. The word is like pervasive ground cover. When you plant the word in you, it takes over. It takes over. And that stuff that it talks about, the wickedness and the uncleanness and all that, gets gradually, it gets weeded out. Those things just get weeded out. And the word, because God's so good. Because God's so good that you want, you want to do what he wants you to do. And the word just takes over. And it says in here that it has the power to save your soul. It has the power to save your soul. We're talking about our soul right now. We're talking about our free will. As a, we, this connects right with renewing your mind. As you receive the engrafted word in your heart, it has the power to help you to make the right choices. You don't have to do it on your own strength, your own ability. Because the word gives you the power to make those choices, to make those decisions that align with the will of God. Verse 22, but be doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. I love that. It says, don't just listen to the word and, and agree with that reasoning. Remember, we were talking about reasoning when we read the Corinthian scripture about taking thoughts captive. Don't agree with the reasoning that's contrary to the truth. The word will put a light on it and it'll show you how wrong that reasoning is, how wrong the world is, that that's the God of the world. That's the enemy's junk. It's not God's best. But when we fill ourselves with the engrafted word, it has the power to save our souls and to make those choices that are godly choices and to be a doer of the word, to make the choice to be a doer of the word. Okay, so let's look at practical ways to prosper in our will. Number seven, make the choice to read the word and to strive to do it. You don't really have to strive. Make the choice to read the word and to do it. But I'm going to add some more there. Be teachable. Be teachable. I'm going to give you a warning. This is a warning sign. If you hear yourself, if you hear this come out of your mouth, it's a warning. If you say, I know that. I know that. I know that. That's danger. Because that is this indicator that you are not being teachable. That you're not allowing the, the engrafted word to uh, do what it needs to do to your heart and your soul. Because you've got a hardness and you say, I know that. Sometimes after you've read the word for a f- years... You might get to that place where you've read it many, many times. That doesn't mean that God can't speak to you new and fresh every single day. So if you hear yourself saying, I already know that, and not, not allowing God to speak to you, then you are not making that choice to be a doer of the word, to hear the word, to allow the word to work in you. It's your choice to believe the word. There's a difference between being ignorant and unbelief. Ignorance is you, you've got a lack of knowledge. 
You've never been taught. You've never been exposed. I was ignorant before I was diagnosed with cancer. I was ignorant. I didn't know Jesus healed because I didn't have a need for healing. Unbelief is when you know it, but you choose not to believe it. We have a choice to believe this. You're all here in a healing class. You're here seeking. God said to you, he said, see, didn't I say to you, when you seek me, you'll find me? That's what you're doing. You're seeking. And yes, you will find him. But it's your choice. It's your choice. Number eight, make the choice to pray daily. Number nine, make the choice to praise God daily. These are all choices. God says choose life. This is part of life, being in communion with him. Number 10, make the choice to come to church or to illness recovery. Make the choice to come. That's a big choice. You could stay home, especially when you don't feel well. That's when you need to be here the most. Pastor Marie, Pastor Sarah Marie, I can remember her saying that so many times. If you're not feeling well, that's when you should be in church. <laughs> if you're not, you know, if you're having a hard time, come to church. Be surrounded with people that agree with you. Be edified. Receive prayer. Be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit in that environment, in that holy environment. Not that you can't have a holy environment at home. Absolutely you can. But if you're in a, a, a oppressed place where the enemy's kind of attacking you, you might not uh, take the, the action to invite the Holy Spirit into your home. So go to church. And he is, the enemy, is trying to keep you home. Right. How many of you have found that on Wednesdays or on Sunday when you're going to go to church, there's stuff that gets in the way? <laughs> yeah. So when that happens, say, oh, no, enemy. And say, oh, God, you've got something good for me. I can't wait to get there. You have something good for me. Okay, the next one. Um, make the choice to pray healing scriptures over your body. Now, with all of these things, cross out legalism. Don't be legalistic about it. Choice is saying, God, I'm doing this because I want all that you have for me. It's not, God, I have to do this or I'm not going to receive. That's legalism. The reason that we pray, the reason that we read God's word, the reason that we take his scriptures, his healing scriptures and meditate on them is because it gives us life. It's alive. It's not to cross something off our list. Okay, foundation four, prospering in our emotions. God made us with emotions. That's who we are. But there are, um, there are choices we can make in our emotions as well. The first scripture I'd like to read about emotions is Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Love this psalm. Psalm 103. I know this by heart. I'm not even going to look it up. Bless the Lord, O my soul. With all that is deep within me, I bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then it goes on to talk about his benefits. He forgave all our iniquities. He heals all our disease. He redeems our life from destruction, crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercy, and he satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed. Those are good benefits, wouldn't you say? Yeah, really good benefits. But the first two verses here talk about blessing God 
Oh, my soul. We're talking about our soul. We, according to God's word, need to take action. We need to put our soul in action, our emotions, and we need to bless God. The word bless means to praise him, to adore him, to worship him, to kneel before him, whatever it is that you do when you praise God. Praise God. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Sometimes you just have to do it even when you don't feel like it, right? In fact, that's often the case, that you might, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, it's a sacrifice to praise the Lord. It's something that costs you. You might not, you might be in a place of pain. You might be in a place of depression. You might be in a place of really being overwhelmed. But when you take that action of praising the Lord, something breaks. It is powerfully spiritual. Bless the Lord, O my soul. With all that is within me, I bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So there's two things here. The first one is to, on purpose, praise God. And the second one is to, don't forget his benefits. So talk about what he's done that's good. Talk about it to yourself. Tell your husband, tell your wife, tell the person that works with you. Talk about what God's doing. That is going to build you up in your soul. That's going to help prosper your soul and as your soul prospers even as your soul prospers in proportion to your soul prospering you'll prosper in other areas including healing including health amen okay nehemiah nehemiah chapter 8 if you're in psalms right now go backwards in your bible just start flipping pages and you'll find Nehemiah. I think it's right before Job. There's Esther. It's right before Esther. Nehemiah chapter 8. It's right before Esther. Nehemiah 8, verse 9 and 10. Bill Johnson, we, we just listened to a teaching on, on joy when we were driving up to the cottage this last weekend, and he used this scripture. I love this scripture. It's, uh, I, I am not a real good um, historian when it comes to the Bible, but I'll do my best. Um, they, when when um, God's people were in captivity in Babylon for 400 years or whatever it was, their temple was destroyed, the walls were broken down, and they were taken captive. When they finally were able to rebuild their temple, Nehemiah is the guy that did it. And he was completely favored. He got all of the, the money to do it, all the wood to do it, and he did it in 52 days. It's big wall. We saw a model of it when we were in Florida at the, at the Holy Land experience. Built the whole wall. And after they had built this wall, they came together and they read the Torah. They read the, 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 the law to the people. And after they had read it, these people hadn't heard the word in, ever their whole lives because it had been many, many, many years. And when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. And they were like, oh, my God. I haven't, I didn't know what I was supposed to know. I didn't know what you wanted me to, to know, my Lord God. And they were in sorrow. They were weeping. They were crying. And this is what, this is what God said through Nehemiah. 
verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the Lord. Then Ezra told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to him for whom nothing is is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. And be not grieved and depressed. For the joy of the Lord is your strength and your stronghold. So Nehemiah, Ezra, and the Levites said, No, 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 don't mourn. This is a holy day. This is a holy day. He could be saying the same thing to you now. You could be mourning and crying out to God and depressed and grieving. And God says, oh, no, you know the truth. You have my word. Don't be grieved and be depressed. No, you have my promises. You have have my joy. And that's what he's been giving me this week and last week and the week before as I've been having those things going on in me. He's saying, no, no, Cindy, don't be grieved and depressed. You have my joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy equals strength. But no joy equals no strength. We have the choice, like I have this week, to walk in joy or to be grieved and depressed. As Pastor Sarah Marie says, act the part until you become the part. You might not feel joy at all. In the notes here it says, put on a smile. Choose to be thankful. Choose to praise God, although you may not feel like praising. The joy will rise up in you and give you supernatural strength. Laugh. Laugh on purpose. Feel kind of weird doing it. When you're in that place of grieving, depressing, oppressive kind of feeling, start making your, just laughing on purpose, smiling, putting a smile on your face. See what happens. The joy of the Lord will build up in you and it will strengthen you. I did a teaching last year at, in the main church on joy. It's, it's on our website. It was all God. It was all Holy Spirit. And although I was teaching on the fruit of joy, what evolved as the Holy Spirit showed me and gave me the the scriptures and the guidance to teach that, it was all about healing. It was all about receiving healing when you're in the midst of of, of depression or or disappointment or waiting. It's a powerful teaching. If if that sounds like you, go on the website. It's an audio um, teaching. And it's on the area that shows all the teachings kind of go way down on the page. And it says the joy, the fruit of joy, I think is what it's called. Next scripture, second Timothy, we're almost done. Two more scriptures. Second Timothy one, seven. I'm not turning there either. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're talking about emotions. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And fear is a big emotion that we have to deal with. God didn't give us fear, though, did he? Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to be teaching a couple things on fear later on. 
But the bottom line is fear is the opposite of faith. God didn't give you fear. But God gave you all sorts of things to defeat fear. That's good news. He gave you power. As believers, you are endued with power of the Holy Spirit. As baptized kids of God, you have awesome power. You have assisted power. I, I used the analogy last week of um, power steering. If you've driven a car without power steering, most of you guys probably haven't because you're way young. And I haven't either, unless my power steering went out because I'm, I'm that young too. <laughs> but if your power steering's ever gone out, you drive like, you know, literally one finger you can turn. You can, like I said last week, you can use your knee. It's no problem, right? But if the power steering is out, you have to pull, pull, pull to turn that thing. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's like power steering. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, that assist. You have that power over fear. You have the Holy Spirit upon you and within you. You have love. You have the love of God. And His love casts out fear. His perfect love casts out fear. When I teach on fear-proofing your life, that's a big, big part of it, is coming to know the love of God and meditating on the love of God and receiving the love of God. Fear has to leave. And you have soundness of mind. Soundness of mind comes through the Word of God. And Jesus is the Word made flesh. You have the whole package. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father, the soundness of mine from the living word. You have everything you need. Don't receive fear. Fight it. Psalm 34. This shows you one way to fight it. This is the last scripture. Psalm 34. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I want you to read this one with me as soon as I get my Bible open. Okay. I will bless the Lord at all times. Let me hear you. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from all my fears. Oh, that's good news. It says, bless the Lord with all your soul. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. My soul. That's my emotions. That's my choice. That's my mind. Shall make its boast. I'm boasting about God. I'm boasting. I'm bragging up on my God. And when I do that, when I exalt him, when I magnify him, when I, I lift him higher than the problem... Fear has to run. Fear has to run. He delivered me from my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from my fear. So practical ways to prosper in your emotions. This is at the bottom of page 55. Don't wait to feel like praising God or being joyful. Don't wait till you feel like it. Act the part until you become the part. Number nine, praise God with words and with song. 
Make the choice to praise him. Number 10, count your blessings. Count your blessings. And number 11, have a grateful heart and express that thankfulness. Prospering in your soul, prospering in your mind, prospering in your will, prospering in your emotions. Take these scriptures home. Take these things home and kind of read them through the week. Think about them through the week. Take an inventory of your thinking, of your emotions, of your choices. Don't get into condemnation. Don't get into condemnation. That's not God. Conviction is good. Conviction is when God's giving you a little nudge and saying, oh, baby girl, I have something really good for you. This is going to just take you to a new level. When you hear that from God, do it and see what he does with you. But I just want to pray a blessing. Father, I just thank you for, I thank you. I thank you for the hearts that have received so much from you to help them to grow into that place of intimacy, to grow into that place of our soul agreeing with you and not with the enemy and receiving everything that you have for us. Father, as we pray specifically for individual needs tonight, I pray that you will reveal to us the, the soul issue that is standing in the way, if there is any soul issue. God, you're so good. We thank you, Father God, that you reveal to us your heart for your children, your love for your children, your power to heal here right now, to manifest, because it's already done, but to manifest that healing. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing here and now. And we give you the glory, we give you the thanks, and we give you the praise. Bless your people as they go, Father. Bless them. May they carry with them in their heart some nuggets to take with them and to change their lives for the better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.